let me introduce myself. My name is Neil. Uh, Neil Young. I'm a husband to, to Janet. I also get to lead the Causeway Coast Vineyard Church uh, in Northern Ireland in Korean. Uh, and before we start, could we, could we just pray? Um, so if you're here, uh, why don't you even just stand? If you're here for the seminar, stand up, hold out your hands. Uh, and we just want Jesus to, to come be with us. We know he's already here. Um, but we don't need any more content, but we do need more of him. And so just hold out your hands. And we just invite him to come. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for your presence with us. We want to thank you for your goodness amongst us. Uh, we want to thank you that, uh, that you are a God of miracles, that you are a God who wants to come close to us. Uh, you don't want to dwell far away from us, Lord, but you want to be with us. So Holy Spirit, come and be with us and anoint us for all that you have for us in your name. Amen. You can grab your seats. So as I said, uh, Janet and I have been leading Cosby Coast Vineyard Church now for uh, just uh, yeah, half a year, just under a year. We've been uh, around the church. Janet was one of the first six people to ever meet in a living room uh, in, in the community, and, and we've seen the church grow. I've been on staff there for 10 and a half years. And uh, obviously last year we sent out Alan and Catherine Scott, who some of you know, uh, and they've just got a new job. So uh, I think it's okay. I think officially we can call Vineyard Anaheim our new campus. And um, <laughs> so we're, we're pleased with how we've raised them. Alan and Catherine seem to be doing well. We think they're ready for a new challenge. Uh, and also we want to thank uh, those of you who've sent us messages, have been asking how, how we're doing in, in transitioning. We really appreciate that. I want to thank you for your messages. We're, uh, we're doing great. Uh, we're seeing amazing things happening at church, and we're seeing difficult things happening in church. And I think if you're a leader in a church, as we all are, I think that's par for the course. That's what we see uh, all the time. Uh, because this is the last seminar of the day, and probably more to the fact that we've got a flight that's leaving incredibly soon. I'm gonna give you a gift and finish at 5.30 uh, today or else we really won't get home. Uh, so I apologize, we will have to run uh, straight afterwards so probably won't have any time for questions but the truth is all your questions are asked by uh, now. Anyway, so I'm gonna talk you through uh, this uh, title. Uh, a lot of you have asked me why did I choose this title and actually a lot of thought went in to my title as I thought about what I want to communicate when it comes to leadership development. Here's what you need to know. I'm a leadership nerd. Like, I love reading stuff on leadership. I love to just read books, and, and I'll read it from, from anywhere, whether it's Christian authors, whether it's uh, authors of like sports teams or um, generals in the army. I wanna read anything I can on leadership. I listen to as many podcasts as I can on it. I'll read articles when I see people who are leading incredibly well. I wanna get beside them and find out everything that's going on. I just absolutely love it. I'm so grateful for people who have taken the time to note their ideas, to live out what it is that they thought and then write it down so that we get to cheat uh, and try and move there quicker. I'm so grateful for all of that stuff. My difficulty with all of those things, and I will quote actually lots of what I'll say today are probably things that I've stolen elsewhere, some stuff that I've added on to. I'll quote them whenever I can remember, but honestly, sometimes I've forgotten what's mine and what I've stolen uh, now, but I will try and do it where I can remember. I'm so thankful for them. The difficulty I've had when reading or listening or doing any of that stuff is we get all fired up and I put it, we put it in our notebooks or on our phones, whatever it is, and these theories and these principles, and we're so excited. And then we just have real difficulty, at least I do, in translating them to real life. 
So it's a great theory, it's a great concept, and that person who, who wrote that or communicated it probably has seen it in real life, but when I go to apply it to real people, I actually find that it's difficult. And so my desire today is not to give you another model, uh, but hopefully to give you a mindset when it comes to leadership development that I hope will be uh, of help to you as you move forward. Uh, not long ago, I had a, a, a small group focusing on leadership development, and I, it was about 15 to 20 people in the room, and I asked them this question, and it caused a lot of discussion. I asked them this, I said, can you be a follower of Jesus and not lead? So can you be a follower of Jesus and not lead? And, or does Jesus give us an option not to lead? Does he, does he give us that choice or that option if we're following him? And, I mean, we're at a leadership conference and, and you're all leaders. So the discussion here, I, I think, would be a pretty quick one. But in that room, the discussion heated. All sorts of things were coming up uh, forever. And I mean, you know in the UK that we have a dislike to ever saying that we're good at anything. We just don't, we just don't like it. We, it what we call it tall poppy syndrome. We, we just don't like anyone getting too good at it. Well, if you move to Northern Ireland, you will see that multiplied by 300%. Like, we're not even as tall as poppies. Like, we don't, we don't get off the ground at all. We're actually allergic to being good at anything, or at least in telling anyone we are. Now, in that room where I'd asked that question, I had a guy there. He was the, the chief inspector of police in his city. So he, this guy was leading, like, a ton of men and women in police in what is a pretty difficult city. I had uh, vice principals of schools. I had business owners. I had an accountant that works for the NHS and travels over to London to deal with big problems they have. So you're talking about people who are leading. And, but here were my responses. I just don't know if I see myself as a leader. I'm sort of more of a follower. I don't think everyone's called to be a leader. Maybe I'm just a volunteer. I wasn't made to lead, and I'm just getting really frustrated, but trying to have that calm exterior that you're supposed to have in those moments. And so I reminded them gently that false modesty is just as much a sin as arrogance or pride. And then we moved on, but what I realized was their definition of leadership was so varied. And all of us have this very definition of leadership. We use this one word, but it actually covers a really wide gamut of understanding for us. And, we, and it's very difficult to, to do that. So we'll have a conversation about leadership and they'll say, I'm not a leader, I'm a follower. And then they'll describe what they do and I'll be like, that's what I define leadership as. They say, no, 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 that's, that's following. No, 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 no. And so here, just to help you as we move through this, let me tell you my definitions of these things and how I like to move with them. Here's the first thing. Put your hand up if you're seeking to become more like Christ. I'm hoping every hand is up. If your hand isn't up, you're probably sleeping. Um, or you've taken a wrong turn and we'll do an appeal at the end um, for you. So we all wanna do that. We all wanna follow Jesus. So the goal for our life is that we would follow Jesus and become more like him. Therefore, that makes us a disciple. That makes us a disciple, okay? We're a disciple. Everyone happy with that? Say yes, Neil, if you're happy. Okay, this is good, we're getting somewhere. Then it's really hard to be a disciple without being a follower. So it's hard to become more like Jesus if you haven't seen Jesus, or if you don't get to know Jesus, or if you don't imitate Jesus. So therefore, we are all followers, okay? So we're all disciples, we're all followers. Do you agree? Say yes, Neil. <laughs> You're dropping off. But then, here's the other thing. Last time I checked, Jesus doesn't pay us to do this. Like, I know some of us are, are pastors in employment, 
but that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus doesn't pay us to become disciples or followers. He, you know, he didn't stand up in front of everyone saying, follow me and I'll give you the living wage. Follow me and I'll offer you 20 hours a week and you can, we, we don't, we do it for free, don't we? We do it for free. We do, in fact, it costs us to do it, but nothing, nothing any, my goodness, not even close to what it cost him to give us that chance. So if we're all doing it for free, then we are disciples who are followers who are also volunteers, because it's for free. Now here's the other thing with Jesus. He also calls us as people to make disciples of all nations. So what he's saying to us is you can't just you know, be a disciple, you can't just follow me, you can't just be a volunteer. Actually, you are called to lead others into life within some kind of sphere. Like, you have to do it. There has to be an influence on your life. You can't get to the end of your life without having influence in anyone else and call yourself a true disciple of Jesus. Therefore, we are all leaders because we are called to lead people into life. Now, that doesn't matter whether you're the leader of a large church, a small church, or no church. It doesn't matter if we're talking about leading one person or whether that's a million people. It doesn't matter whether you're a loud leader or a quiet leader. It doesn't matter whether you're a strategic leader or a chaotic leader or a visionary leader or a blind leader. You're a leader if you're following Christ, if you're with him. We are all involved in this. So happy with that? Yes, Neil? <laughs> okay, well, we'll go with that. So. In leadership development, for years I didn't understand why I would want to give away everything that I'd received. It made no sense to me. It's probably worth uh, noting at this point I'm an only child, so I didn't have to share anything in my life ever uh, until I went to university, and that was just awful. Um, I just didn't know why I, would, why I would give stuff away because I thought, well, if I share stuff, then it's no longer mine. If I've learned like this brand new thing, and I give it away, then, I, then it's no longer just me. Someone else could do it better. And you're looking at me thinking, you're so selfish. How did you not get this? I get it. But I didn't understand it. And as I've got older, I've begun to realize that actually that what Jesus says in the Bible is true. And that as we, we give it away, that's actually when we live. But I remember meeting with the leader and I was wrestling uh, just a little with some of this stuff. And here's what he said to me. It, was, it's, it stuck with me ever since. He said, Neil, you could be the best at the world at something if you want. Or you could cho choose to develop 50 people to become the best in the world at what they do. You choose. You can choose to become the best in the world of something if you want to or you can choose to help develop 50 other people to become the best in the world at what they do. Now, he didn't need to repeat it again, and in that moment, I knew what I wanted to spend my life doing. I wanted to give it away and see other people develop. And in the blurb, I promised I was gonna be honest, and here's the thing, I've had mixed results. I really have. I've learned a lot of stuff, I've read a lot of stuff, and I've, I've developed leaders, and sometimes they've gone on to be leaders who have multiplied things and seen incredible things happen, and they've actually brought up other leaders and seen that happen, and it's so exciting. I've seen some that I've poured everything into, in fact, used the same techniques and the same thinking, and honestly, they destroyed leaders around them and brought them down. I've seen it in addition, and I've seen it in subtraction, and multiplication, and division. I've seen it happen all the time, and I realize it's just something that is really difficult. And so if you're a note taker, here is my conclusion that I've come to in leadership development, and this will rock your world. If you tweet, you're gonna wanna tweet. 
leadership development is really hard. <laughs> Good, isn't it? Just make sure you quote me. Um, it's just really hard. Uh, there's a great book called The Team of Teams. Uh, the author of it is a general in the U.S. Army, and when he starts, talk, starts talking about the nature of leadership, he uses this, this idea about it, how difficult it is, but he uses two concepts, and he talks about the difference between something being complicated and the, something being complex. So he says there's a difference between something being complicated and something being complex, and I, I agree with him. And in complication, here's what he says. He, he says, well, it, something that's complicated is really difficult to work out. You look at it and you scratch in your head and you think, how on earth could we get around this problem? How on earth could we find a way to do this? But ultimately, you know that if you study long enough in the right places and get the right people to it, you will work out an answer because there is a correct answer there if something's complicated. So it's like one of those big maths equations. If, you know, whether you know, you're, you're really into maths or not, you look at this thing and you're just like, oh boy. But you know there's an answer there. It's a linear thing, we just need to work it out. That's when something is complicated. However, complexity, there's so many moving parts and external factors involved that it can be practically impossible to predict the outcome of that thing. So the example that they use in the book, and I think it's brilliant, is like if you know, uh, if you've ever watched snooker, okay, I've never played snooker really, but if you watch snooker, and, what, and obviously when you break, you hit the cue ball and then it hits the, this, this triangle of red balls. And what he says in that is even if you were to hit the cue ball in exactly the same place every time, and that cue ball even hit the red balls at exactly the same place every time, you could not predict where each one of those balls was gonna end up because there's just too many external factors. There's air pressure, there's the way the felt might be in the table, it's how shiny that ball was compared to that ball. There's just too many things for you to ever predict that you could get it right. Even though you could do it more and more times you'd hope that you would get better results, you could never predict exactly what it looks like. Well, here's what I think. Leadership development is a complex issue, not a complicated one. There is no model or linear approach that is gonna guarantee that if you do it every time that you will produce these incredible leaders. It just, no. <laughs> It just doesn't happen. You may get better at doing it each time. You may maybe increase our chances of doing it. We might get better odds at doing that, but ultimately leadership development is a complex issue. We're dealing with people and people are complex. We are complex, aren't we? There's so many external factors. That's why when we have people come to church on a Sunday and we take an hour or two hours, however long your services are, and we'll preach our best messages and we'll do all this stuff and we'll say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But they've got another 160 something other hours of their week and then they come back as messed up as they were, if not more messed up than what they were on the Sunday. And you're like, did you not listen? Well, they had millions of other things that happened to them that week. Millions of other interactions and jobs and all sorts of things that happened. It's complex to do that. So here's what I'm hoping is that I'm bringing you freedom in this. I don't want this to be a guilt exercise where you feel we're not developing leaders and we're not doing it well enough. And I want this to be free. This is just hard. People look at our church and they think, you guys are such a great team and you've got so many great people and, 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 and you know, they must just have this amazing leadership development program. And the answer is we really don't. I could point just as many rubbish leaders. That's awful. I wouldn't do it. Uh, like, like I wouldn't actually do it. I'd just tell you in notion that, but we have so many people that I've poured my life into, and honestly, it grieves my heart when I see what they're doing with their life now. 
And I think, I, I poured everything. I thought I believed in them. I, I did all that stuff, and look where they ended up. So I want this to be freedom for you guys. That's the name of this conference, isn't it? To have freedom around this. So here's what my conclusion is. is if we want to develop other leaders who develop other leaders, the answer doesn't lie in better content. If we want to produce leaders who raise up other leaders, the answer doesn't lie in better content. There's so much content out there already. If content alone could do it, we'd have incredible leaders everywhere. It just, it just would be. Uh, if we want to develop other leaders who develop other leaders, the answer doesn't lie in better models for the same reason. There's incredible models out there. Again, it hasn't necessarily done it for us. But here's what we do, and you've heard this in a few other talks this weekend or this week. If we want to develop other leaders who develop other leaders, we must create a better culture. We have to create a better culture for leaders to be developed. See, content and models are important. Please don't think that I don't think that. They're really important. If those content and models are not built upon a culture that allows leaders to develop, they are useless. Okay, because they are just structures. And if in your churches you have a culture that doesn't encourage um, or push people towards leadership development and being all that they can be in Christ, your structures will get eaten up by that culture because as it's famously said, because it culture each structure for breakfast. It'll just kill it every time. So it's really important that we do that. I wish I had a long time to talk about the difference between those things, but we must have a culture. Now, how many people, stick up your hands. I've got a whiteboard, so I feel I should use it. Um, how many people have heard of leadership pipelines or read any books on leadership pipelines? Yeah, got a few, few people. That's great. Okay, so leadership pipelines, it's a... It's a thing that a lot of churches, especially in America, that we've uh, talked to are really looking at. And they have these pipelines of how you produce leaders in church. And so they, they create these kind of models that, that where you kind of gather a bunch of people and we develop leadership. And then, and then maybe 10 of those leaders will move on to the next stage in the pipeline. And then five leaders will move on to another stage. And then you might get one staff member out of that that could be brilliant. And they create this pipeline and this model. And, it's, uh, and honestly, there's some really, really good, good, good things in it. We're a part of a, a learning community that we go to twice a year, and there's a number of, of big churches uh, that go to that, and we were at this last learning community, and in our group, we, there's about eight, eight churches in, in our group that we're in, and what we have to do as a team, we will discuss you know, different things, then we have to present it to the rest of the room, and this was on our leadership model or our leadership pipeline. So we had to say, they, had, they said, why don't you draw your leadership model uh, on the whiteboard, and then each church will come around, and then we will talk about your leadership pipeline model. And I was like, oh, goodness, we're in trouble. So this is what most churches had. So they had, well, we have this down here, and we have, you know, 50 leaders here, and then the pipeline goes to here, and then they'll go on, we'll get 25, and then there'll be area coordinators, and then we'll maybe get five out of that, and they'll go on to be interns, and then, you know, then we'll go here, maybe get one, and it's staff, and it's looking like this, okay? So this is, this is what they were drawing, and I was, uh, my team were looking at me going like, Neil, what's our model? I said, I don't know, but we need to write something. So this is what I drew. So I, I thought about it, I didn't, didn't discuss it, um, and I did this. Um, okay? 
something like that. No, it's beautiful, isn't it? I studied architecture, by the way. Um, um, so this, this was our model. And <laughs> so my team looked at me and they were like, <laughs> what on earth is that? And I said, I think that's our model. And they said, well, what is it? And I said, well, we kind of have all these people in here and we do stuff and some of them come out and lead, some of them leave and we never see them again and the rest are stuck in here somewhere. And they were like, well, that's not a model. And I said, well, that's all we've got. It's... And uh, then it came to the time where each group was walking around to see, you had to d describe the model, and I, this is horrendous leadership. But I decided I did not want to present this in front of anyone. So what I did was, so you could, they were working around in a circle, so I was, there was the church that was here, so I was standing there listening to that. And then um, <laughs> we have a guy on our team called Ricky, wonderful, wonderful guy, the most honest man that I know. And I know Ricky will pick this up. And so what I did is I went to the toilet. So, so <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just disappeared. I, so I just walked out and went, I didn't even know if I needed to go, but I just stood in the toilet for a bit until long enough so I knew that it would have moved on to our group. So I'm walking in the back and there's Ricky and said, ah, so... We, and he's presenting, I'm at the back, and I can see his eyes, just the anger burning, but it's too late because he's already started, and he's describing our model like this, and everyone's kind of, you know, their heads are turning, and um, so Ricky's, he's forgiven me. And, um, but you know, here's the honest thing. Pretty much each church afterwards came up to me and said, thank you for drawing that. Truth is, that's what it's like for us too. Like, we wanted to have those boxes and the arrows moving, but honestly, we have the same mess that you have in this. And I said, oh, thank you. We'll be free. Uh, and I, I want this to be freedom for you. I want this to be freedom for you. We mess up in this so often. And we see some amazing things come through it. But I want it to be free. So you can feel free to steal our model uh, at any point. You can, I'm sure you're all taking photos. I saw you with your iPhones out um, capturing that. Here's the, the question that we start with, and I think we want to start with in this. Here's the question. What kind of leaders do we want to raise? What kind of leaders do we want to raise? I don't know how often we ask that question, but very rarely we don't do it. We just kind of think we should do something on leadership development, so let's start. But what kind of leaders do we want to raise? It's like, has anyone ever watched a Great British Bake Off? Anyone admit to it? Um, yeah? I actually haven't, but I, I see it a bit because Janet loves to watch it, so I see. And what I always know with that is they start with a diagram of the kind of cake or bread or thing that they want to make, and then they start working on it, okay? It's a really simple analogy. Like, none of them, them kind of go, oh, let's just grab a bunch of ingredients and we'll see what turns out. And, and all of a sudden, they've got this three-tiered something cake, okay? They, they start with a plan. And if we're going to do this with leadership development, we need to start with a plan. We need to understand what is the culture that we're creating and does it create the kind of leaders that we want to have in our culture? You know that God is the only one who creates futures. We don't create futures. He's the only one that can do it. Our job as leaders is to create a culture that actually helps move us towards that future. That's, that's it. We can't create the future. All we can do is respond to it. So what is the kind of leader that you want to create in church? So you might say, well, I want to raise up leaders who can lead small groups of 12 to 15 people. I, maybe you just don't have enough of those kind of leaders and you think, I, I want someone who can do that. Maybe you're thinking, I want to raise leaders who will teach. I want to raise leaders who will plant churches or something else. Whatever 
your definition, whatever you land on, it's completely legal, but I would implore you to know what that is. I'd implore you to know what it is. What kind of leader is it that you're trying to raise? Here's at Cosmic Vineyard, here's what we're trying to do with our leaders. I want leaders who dream with God, partner with Him, and shape society. I want creative leaders who understand the identity they carry, the authority that's been delegated to them, and the clarity that they have to complete it. That's it. I mean, that's a lot. But that's, that's what we want to do. I, I want leaders who will dream with God, partner with Him, and then shape society, okay? When we understand that, then we can begin designing the culture that we want to see those kind of leaders raise up. That's what you begin to create. So all I can do at this point, I guess, is uh, talk you through what are some of the things that we've done in order to move us towards that place. If that's the kind of leaders you want in our church, then steal those points. Uh, if you want different kind of leaders, you're gonna need different kind of things in this. But, but that's the question I would start with. So we want leaders who will shape society, dream with God, partner with him. And that means we have to say no to a lot of things in leadership and also yes to a lot of things. So here's the things that we've had to commit to as a church. We raise city engagement above church participation. So if I want leaders who are gonna shape society, partner with God, and dream with him, well then I need to raise city engagement above church participation. So here's what we do. We don't advertise for volunteers from the stage on a Sunday in our church. There's two times in the year actually we do it. We do it once in the summer for a huge community thing that we do, and we do it once at Christmas for a Christmas dinner that we do to reach those in our city who don't have anyone to have Christmas dinner with. Other than that, we don't advertise what we need in kids' ministry, youth ministry, compassion ministry, women's ministry, whatever ministry that we have. We just don't do it from the front. It drives some of our staff insane. And they say, we just wanna, if we could just do that, we would get, do you know, 500 people to come and they do this, or we get these 20 people. And what I say to them every time is like, no, you would just get people who are responding to a need, but not people who wanna bring life to your ministry. They'll do it because they're good people, and they will do it, but actually you don't want that, so we, we don't do it at all. I don't want people seeing leading or serving in our church as the pinnacle of what you can do for Jesus. There's some people we called to that, I'm one of them, and that's great, but not everyone is called to do it. It's not a bad calling. So what we'll do is we, we actually tell people, we'll say, hey, if you're serving like throughout the week and maybe your kid's football team or in your running club or whatever it is, you're doing something, your school PTA or something like that, and that's making you so busy and you're engaging with people far from Jesus, please do not give that up so you can serve in church. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. We've got pretty good at it. We've actually got quite good at it to the point now that there's people who want to serve in church and don't know how to. Like people will come and say, how do I actually get involved in church? Like I actually do have the time and I don't. So actually we're bringing in a table this weekend, aren't we? Um, called just a join a team table. So if you actually really wanna serve in, in church and you have the space that you can go to. But when I launch it, I'll tell them this. If, you, if we hear that you've given up something in the community in order to serve in church, we're gonna tell you off. If we hear that you said, like, yeah, I've given up coaching this school football team because I wanna serve in kids on a Sunday and I can't do both, I'm gonna say, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to serve in kids. You have to stay out there because I want leaders that are gonna shape society. And so what we have is we've got people in our society. We've got a guy who owns a business in town. He, um, 
It's like a call center, essentially. They're, they're selling stuff over the phone to people. And here's what he's done with his business. It's a business that has a really high turnover rate. Staff just leave pretty quickly because it's not always the most fun job to do, cold calling people. And so here's what he's done with his business. He decided, man, I'm going to stop fighting to keep people in my business and stop all that. So what he's decided to do is he said, I'm going to make sure that we are the best employer in Korean so that whether our employees stay or not, that they're leaving as better employees for the next business that they move on to. That's what he's now, he's doing his whole business around that. Do you know what? His business has actually grown a huge percentage this year. They're seeing more income. Why? Because he turned the focus in terms of making money and keeping people to actually building into people and releasing them. Do I want him to give up that so he can serve in the door of my kids' ministry? No. The guy actually does serve in kids as well, by the way, because <laughs> uh, he decided he wanted to. But I'd rather have people out there than in there doing that. And that means that we're short on volunteers. But let's face it, we're all short on volunteers anyway. So we may as well have them bringing life to the city and be short on volunteers than be short on volunteers and doing nothing in the city. So I've decided, do you know what my, my dream is? My dream is that we actually have no volunteers who can serve in our church because they're all so busy bringing life to the city, they've just got no time left. Wouldn't that be amazing? My kids' team will kill me, but wouldn't that be amazing? That would just be incredible. So we raise city engagement above church participation. Here's the second thing we do. We reward risk over perfection. We reward risk over perfection. We give our leaders room to fail. And early on the process and to staff and to leaders, I'll say to them, you should be making mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not risking. If you're not making mistakes, you're not going out for the stuff that God has for you. And so what we do is we reward positive mistakes, but we get really annoyed at negative mistakes. So here, let me explain uh, this. We had an intern team and we're going into a school in our community that we'd never worked in before. We hadn't done anything in it. So they went in and they'd booked two assemblies this school. They booked one on the Tuesday morning, one on the Wednesday morning. And on the Tuesday morning, they went in to do the junior school assembly and they, they did their lesson and it was all great. And then at the end, one of our interns full of the Holy Spirit and boldness decided that she was going to do an appeal to invite any kid in that school, so it's about maybe 300 pupils, to respond to Jesus and repent and turn their life over to Jesus. We don't know whose phone that is. <laughs> Press something. We'll, we'll work it out. Anyone? Anyway, so this is what they did. We can... Thank you very much, Preston. Go, go bless the city. So, so the, this girl gets up and she does it and she gives an appeal and I'm not even sure how, if any kids responded or whatever happened. Now, after the assembly, the teacher was angry. She said, how dare you? We let you come into this school. We, we'll give you the chance to do this and now you've just wrecked that trust and they canceled the assembly the next day and we took us about three years to get back into that school. Was that a mistake? Yes, it really was. But what a mistake. Honestly, like I was angry, but good angry. Do you know? I, so I honestly, I sat her down and I was kind of like, please never do that again. I'm so glad that's what you did. And she's getting confused. And I say, well, here's where I'd have been really annoyed with you if they had canceled the assembly tomorrow because you turned up late, because you hadn't prepared, because it was lazy. But you did it because you were trying to bring heaven to earth in that moment and see all those kids respond to Jesus. And I can't hardly even be angry with you, but please don't do it again. 
we're not allowed to. And so we reward those kind of mistakes. We reward risk over perfection. We have to remind our staff constantly about this. Do you know the last time I led a church as big as Cosby Coast Vineyard was? Yesterday. Like, honestly, that's the last time. I haven't done it before. I didn't have another life where I led like a big church and we did stuff. And most of my staff have never, ever, ever done this before. So when we make mistakes, we're going to make mistakes because the last time we've done it was yesterday. Does that make sense? I haven't practiced at it before. I haven't, most of the time, I don't honestly know what I'm doing. I just am listening to Jesus, doing the best that I can do with that and what I've learned over the years, and I try and roll that into action. Sometimes I get it really wrong, sometimes we get it really right, but we reward risk over perfection. Happy with that? Third, we only feed the hungry. This is in leadership. I have learned this increasingly, and, and I've been told this by a number of leaders, and it is so true. Um, we can help leaders grow into many things, but I can't teach them to be hungry. I can't teach them to want it. I can't teach them passion for Jesus. I can't teach them to push into all that God has. And I can't teach them any of those things. They have to have it, or honestly, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I've tried. I've tried. When you know you see maybe a, a young woman or a young man and you see them and you can see such potential in them. If they could only just get it. If they could only just grab what is in them and the potential that they have. And if they could only just do all of that stuff, they would be a phenomenal leader. And so what I would do, we've all done it. And so we try. We pull them in. We open the door. We give them chances. We'll pick them up and we'll take them to church and we'll take them to that thing to make sure. We make it as easy as possible for them to do it. And we start to see amazing things happen. And then we can't sustain that kind of thing for long. So then it's up to them. And then what they do is they pull back again. Oh. What happened? What happened? So the only way, and then, then someone else says, why don't I just go and pick them up? And then I just got to the point where I said, no. Why would we spend time on doing this if they can't even be bothered to be hungry? Like, that might sound really harsh, but there are people in our churches and in our communities who are hungry for all that Jesus has for them. There's plenty of them there. I'm not gonna spend my time on someone who has all that potential but doesn't have the hunger or desire to walk into all that Jesus has for them. It might sound harsh, but I just know it's not a good use of my time. And, and to me, honestly, I'll take hunger over talent every day of the week, every day of the week. Someone who's got talent but no hunger, I just bless them, they can go somewhere else and, and do it. I'll take the hungry person who wants to learn everything every day of the week. So we, I'll only feed the hungry. And the last thing, and then we'll come close to finish and we'll pray, is, and Trey lent into this earlier if you were here, is we don't only develop the young. When we talk about leadership development, often what that means is let's get the young people and train them. And that should happen, it's really important. But there are leaders right across our churches, all ages, all stages. You maybe have heard this story before. Our, our youngest ever, our oldest ever intern was 81. Incredible man. Fortunately, we, we, had, we buried him uh, last year. But when he came along to, to church, he came, he was 80, 81 at the time, and, and he said, I think it's time for a gap year. <laughs> He'd... Um, He'd just come to faith when he was 79. Uh, 
and he decided it was time for a gap year. And I remember that we had two young um, students at the time were overseeing, you know, some of the application process, and they were just going through the questions of everything, you know, and the usual question, where do you want to be in five years? And he just went, alive. Um, and uh, it's just amazing. And he came on to that year. Do you know what his desire was? He wanted to lead one person to Jesus. That was his goal. He said, I just want to lead one person. One, you talk about hunger at 81 to throw yourself in a room with a bunch of teenagers and all sorts of, you know, kind of people and that. Do you know that year he led, I think it was 22 people to Jesus, including his brother. <laughs> um, the next year he went out on the streets and he led another 36 people to Jesus, even though he wasn't involved in the program anymore. 80, he was 82 at that point. It was one day we took him out to help train um, some of our, our students the next year in how to... Um, reach people in the streets, and he came out, and he was 82, 83, and he was just like, I'm just so tired, because I'm just going to sit in this bench today, I can't walk on the streets, and I'm just going to share Jesus with whoever sits beside me on this bench. I think he led five people to Jesus that day, <laughs> just sitting on a bench in the middle of the town. I'm like, if he can do it, wow. That was a sad day when we said goodbye to him, but an incredible day to think at 79, he felt like he had so much more to learn. He pushed in and look what he did with the rest of his life. Unbelievable, ridiculously incredible. So we don't only develop the young. In our community, we, it's estimated in the last plan that the council had that by 2030, we're gonna have 35% of our whole population is gonna be over the age of 60. It's currently about 17%. So that's a huge shift over the next number of years. And uh, some people will look at that and be like, well, it's a bad place to have a church. You'll just be doing funerals. It's like, what? <laughs> Here is a group of people, and some of you in the room are, are over 60 and you need to hear this. It's a group of people who have passion, wisdom, yeah. desire, yeah. understanding, right. energy. And I, want, I cannot wait to earn that place. So uh, Trey mentioned it earlier. At some point, please don't steal this idea. We well, know you can, you can just credit us. No, no, don't. Share, share, share. That's why I'm watching. You, you can have it. In fact, we won't even do it. Um, I want to hire a next generation's pastor in the next few years but to activate 60 plus year olds. Not young adults, not youth, but actually to activate a population to say, hey, I know that you're looking to retire, but we need fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers to, in this city, and I wanna release you into everything that the Lord has for you, and I think we're gonna see something incredible happen. I think the next move of the church will be in that generation, and I'm incredibly excited to see what's gonna happen with it. So we don't only develop the young. Yeah. As we've began to push into this model, as we've began to do this more, we're seeing more and more just people stepping up and seeing this happen. We're starting to see the fruit of it. It takes years. Like, we were chatting to the guys from Coastline Vineyard today, incredible, the video that they had. But as you talk to them, what you realize is that's four, five, six years of relentless activity. That's days of nothing happening. That's weeks where you're just like, why on earth? Are we doing this? And honestly, that's been the case for Causeway Coast Vineyard over the last 18 years. There's just been times where nothing has happened, but we've just kept pushing in because we believe 
that there's something happening. Like we heard last night, isn't it? We hear there's something coming. We may not see it, but we hear that something's coming. And so we keep pushing into it. So we've seen that. We see people who come out of context and they think that all the church wants from them is for them to serve and to give and to do all that. And then we just say, no, just come here, just be. Come alive in your workplace. Come alive in your supermarket. Come alive everywhere. We commission them all and say, you are all missionaries in this. We don't value someone who travels to some country on the other side of the world more than we value you going to work in Tesco's. We, we just think they're exactly the same thing. They've been called to different places. I don't want the highest goal for leading in people's lives to be that they might someday maybe make it to a small group leader. There has to be more. I lead small groups. Sometimes they're hard work. That cannot be the pinnacle of church leadership. Sometimes they're amazing, by the way. I love small groups. God wants to do much more than that. So here's the conclusion. There is no art to leadership. I told you that at the start and saved you all a lot of time in this. The truth is it's a daily surrender and a daily step up. We just surrender ourselves again and we step up to what God has for us. I believe it was Wimber who said, leadership was like signing up to be ugly. And he was right. So here's what I want to say to you. Be free, ugly people. (laughs) And just go and lead. Go and do it. Follow Jesus and lean into everything that he has for you. Don't be constrained by models and by what you deem as being something looking perfect from the outside. Decide what kind of leaders that you wanna raise based on the future that God is calling you and your church towards, and then just go after it. Make mistakes, get some of it right, and you'll end up seeing a culture in your church where you'll see it happen more and more and more and more. Are we happy with that? Say yes, Neil. Why don't you stand and I'll pray and then I really need to run to an airport. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I wanna thank you that you are a spirit of freedom, not a spirit of constriction. Jesus, I wanna thank you that you came to bring life, not to give us models and rules. Father, I wanna thank you that today you love us and you commission us into all and who we are, Lord. We wanna thank you, Lord, that you've given us opportunities to grow into leadership, God, that you've given us the freedom to make mistakes and to mess things up, God, and you haven't been angry with us for it, God. That you look down and you see your kids and you just smile and go, look at them giving it a go. Boy, they messed that up, but I love them. And so, Father, would we be people who release others into that same freedom? God, I ask right across the room now that there would be an impartation and a blessing of leadership development, God. Lord, that we would see uh, the young, the old, and everyone in between lead in their cultures and in their communities, Father God, that they would see life bubbling out in every sphere of their society and in, Lord, their world. God, we wanna thank you for your goodness. I wanna thank you for your mercy that forgives our past and your grace that opens our future. Come and be with us. Come and fill us. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time.